0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So this week we're having a um, a non-residential daily life practice retreat, and so the themes around practice and daily life are up for me this week. And... Um, I'd like to talk tonight about a topic that's been coming up during the week in our groups in our group discussions, and just to elaborate on it a little bit a little bit more um, for those of you who are who are uh, in the retreat you'll get a little bit more of an elaboration of this topic and um, I, I hope that this will be of interest to all of you because. Um, the, the topic I'd like to talk about is what I introduced in the, um, the guided meditation, that of receptive awareness. Um, this distinction, or the, the quality of a receptive kind of attention, as opposed to a directed kind of attention, is really, really helpful in daily life. You know, if we think about what our often our early meditation instructions the first kind of practices we get when we learn to meditate it's often about picking something pay attention to the breath when you notice your attention has wandered from the breath let that go and come back to the breath and we you know we cultivate our ability to stay in the present moment by picking an object and and staying there with it and so this instruction really, really helpful to help us begin to recognize what it actually even means to be aware in the present moment. And yet that instruction in terms of um, navigating our daily lives and exploring what it might mean to bring the tools of of mindfulness into daily life, um, it's a little limiting because in our daily lives... Um, we, you know we, we, we have to pay attention to a lot of things you know it 's like we we can 't just like tune everything else out and be with the breath while we 're driving our car right you know we, we really need to be able to take in what 's happening in in the environment and so if we have this idea around our practice that it means focusing or choosing or directing the attention, then some areas of our uh, life are kind of off-limits to practice. And so I'm introducing this idea of receptive awareness. It's It's another way that we can be mindful. And it is a very useful tool for our daily lives. Rather than choosing what to pay attention to, opening to just what's already happening, what's already obvious in our experience. feel like I'd like to also start this discussion a little bit with uh, framing why, why, why do we want to be mindful in daily life? <laughs> um, you know, sometimes when I talk about this it's just so obvious to me that I forget to bring this point in, so... <laughs> um, you know, so much of our lives are, are lived on kind of autopilot you know we we go through our lives just you know not you know we're thinking about what we're going to do we're we're planning we're thinking about what we did but we're not really here in the present moment we're and we're essentially missing we're essentially missing what's happening to us living for the future or living uh to um revise the past. We are, you know, not really here in the present moment. And what's happening when we're not really here in the present moment is that our habits, our conditioning is kind of steering the ship. It's making choices for us. It's, it's deciding what we're going to do, when we're going to do it. It's deciding when we're going to react to something or whether we're going to be happy or sad about something. So, our our kind of habits and conditioning are uh, in charge of how we are in this present moment when we are not aware of how things are in this present moment and so this is and this and this kind of habitual or conditioned response to the world is often that of reactivity rather than measured, careful, skillful responsiveness. So this area of not being aware of what's happening in the present moment is a huge reason why we struggle so much in our lives, why we, why we experience so much pain and sadness and sorrow and suffering, so much frustration and anger and confusion and hatred and desire, because our conditioning is kind of in charge. And so the capacity to bring mindfulness right into our lives, right into the midst of what we're doing, begins to allow us to to be here in this moment and have some conscious and um, present participation in how this moment unfolds into the next moment as opposed to having the habitual tendencies of our conditioning choose how we respond in this moment that leads us into the next moment. When we have mindfulness in the present moment, there's the possibility of recognizing oh, this might not be so helpful. Maybe I should try to move in another direction. So the the mindfulness in the present moment begins to give us a little bit of choice as to how our lives unfold. And instead of our habits beginning to steer the ship of our lives, there's the possibility of some more conscious participation in how our lives unfold. So that's what I would say is kind of a broad brush uh, reason, one reason why to... uh, Practice, or to cultivate this ability to be present in our in our right in the midst of our lives, and so this possibility of receptive attention. I think I think one of the big issues around daily life practice that I've seen in teaching people what it means to wake up in the midst of daily life. One of the most common things I hear people say is, "I don't have time to be mindful." In my daily life, it's 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 too much. It's 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 just adding something extra to my day. And I think that partly comes because of this idea that mindfulness means that we are actively choosing something to pay attention to, that we are um, going to go through our day like driving the car and be driving and and. Exploring, okay, what does it mean to pay attention to the seeing and okay, and how about now the sensation of my hands on the steering wheel or you know to to pick that that a lot of times people think mindfulness means picking what 's going to be happening, um, or perhaps in um, you know in a conversation with somebody, um, you might think, well, what mindfulness means is paying attention inwardly, and so you know, how, how do I pay attention to my body while I'm in the midst of this conversation with somebody? Again, with this idea of, of directing the attention. So the, the, the idea of receptive attention is kind of more opening to the possibility that the capacity for mindfulness... The capacity to know what's happening while it's happening. Kind of a good working definition for mindfulness. This, you know, reflective quality. This, um, you know, mindfulness, mindfulness doesn't have to be choosing what we're paying attention to. Mindfulness can just simply be receiving what is already happening to us. Knowing what is already happening in the present moment. As it unfolds. So in the guided meditation, I started this exploration around turning to the field of hearing. And this is a really good place to begin an exploration of what it means to receive experience. Because while we are turning our attention to a particular field of uh, experience there, we're picking, essentially picking, hearing, within that field, it's pretty quickly apparent we have very little control over what comes to us. That we essentially have no choice but to receive the sounds we could, sometimes we can try to say, well, let me tune into that. you know I hear the train. Let me listen to the train. And so the, um, one of the interesting explorations around this receptive side of things would be, what does it mean to hear as opposed to listen? So in this place of taking in the experience of hearing... We can choose to listen to the train. Or we can choose to just receive the hearing. So That kind of receiving versus choosing. So this receptive side is what I'm pointing to here. This receiving of experience. This can be done in sight as well. What's the difference? It's interesting sometimes to explore what the difference is between simply seeing... And looking, actually, you know, choosing, you know, where to look. What's the difference between just kind of settling back and letting seeing happen versus actively being involved and choosing what to look at? This is this terrain of the difference between receptive attention and directed attention. I found in my own exploration of receptive attention that it was not initially something that I understood very easily. Um, the, the the early practices of focus on the breath, it's like, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> you know, just come in there and like, you know, lock in. And um, when my teacher In exploring my experience with me. He he said, you know, I think you need to practice some more receptive attention. So let go of the breath and just receive what's happening. My mind kind of went into chaos. It was like, it was so confused. What on earth is he talking about, you know? My mind just spun with this confusion of, how do I pay attention to everything? And and the you know, the mind was kind of like going out like trying to find things to pay attention to because I had such a habit of looking for things to, to, to let the mindfulness connect with. So it was it was initially somewhat confuse, confusing for me. And that's partly why I'm I'm liking I like to talk about it a little bit because I found ways to explore this this area of receptive attention and to encourage people to um you know, touch into it from time to time. The, um, you know, so just right now, let's just take a little um, uh, exploration. So right now in this moment, what's most obvious? What's the most obvious? Maybe it's seeing if your eyes are open. Or maybe it's some kind of body sensation if your eyes are closed. What's most obvious to you? And how about right now? What's most obvious to you? And how about right now? And now try closing your eyes. And what's the most obvious experience now with your eyes closed? And now. And now. And now. So this kind of receiving, you can open your eyes again if you like, this kind of receiving is simply meeting what is, I kind of think of it as what is the mind most interested in paying attention to in this moment? As opposed to having some agenda for what I should be paying attention to, there's something that attention is naturally already attending to. And so this points to this factor of attention, which I've talked about some during this week in the daily life practice retreat. This factor of attention is something that we can choose actively. We can, I can like right now, I can, I can suggest to you, pay attention to your feet. Notice the sensations of your feet. Notice the sensations of your hands. Notice the sensations of your, of your hips touching the chair or cushion or bench. So you can choose. That's, a, you know, this, this factor of attention. We can choose what to pay attention to. So it's amenable to willpower. It's amenable to our will. It's amenable to conscious choice. And yet it is also, if we're not consciously choosing to pay attention to something, if we're letting our minds drift Or if we're, um, you know, not actively engaged. You know, just letting the mind kind of drift. The mind is paying attention to something. But it's not something that we consciously picked. You know, this, this can happen. You might notice this as you're falling asleep you know it's like the, the 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 mind produces images or something and you you're out of control at that point like you know you know you're not thinking i'm going to look at this image right now it's like Phew, these images just appear so the the mind produces um or the mind will choose to pay attention to something so the factor of attention i often like to compare it as a a kind of a a way to understand this it's kind of like the breath in some ways we can consciously choose to breathe in and consciously choose to breathe out. So it's amenable to our will, the breath. But when we're not thinking about that, the breath will breathe itself. We don't have to think about breathing in and breathing out in order for the breath to breathe in and out. So that the breath will do itself and very similarly, we can consciously choose what to pay attention to, pick what we 're going to pay attention to, or we can settle back and and kind of just say to them to uh, you know our mind and body, so what are you already paying attention to what 's obvious now what 's obvious now so what 's obvious what 's obvious moment to moment what 's obvious? This is a form of receiving our experience, rather than choosing what we're paying attention to. Now, this is, this is a helpful practice for daily life because this kind of attention, this receptive kind of attention, when we can cultivate it, get familiar with it, and we can practice it in sitting the way I guided in the guided meditation, you can get familiar with what it means to have a receptive attention in the sitting practice, And then in daily life, if you can um, explore this, it's like rather than having the idea of, well, being mindful means I have to pick all the time what I'm paying attention to. Boy, that's going to make you crazy. That, That will be, you know, it's like, yeah, we don't have time to do that in daily life. I certainly don't. But this kind of receptive attention where I'm kind of available for what's already happening... I kind of think of it as the, the attention follows what the mind is already doing. So I'm driving the car. And I, rather than picking, okay, right now I'm going to pay attention to steering, hands on the steering wheel, right now I'm going to pay attention to uh, the seeing, or right now I'm going to pay attention to hearing. I kind of open my, um, it's, it's kind of like, I, I open up and it's like, okay, Mind, what are you doing? What are you paying attention to? And there's a kind of a flow. Sometimes it pays attention to the way the cars move. Sometimes it hears a car coming from the side and it it attends to that. So that it's 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 not choosing what I'm paying attention to, but simply receiving what the mind does while it drives. So it's more of a it's kind of a following the attention. Following the the mindfulness follows what the attention is doing. This um, this kind of receptive awareness takes some practice. At least for me, it definitely was not natural at first. It was not something that I understood very well at first. But when I began to understand it, when I began to be able to connect to this possibility of following the attention instead of being in the driver's seat trying to pick where the attention goes, um, I discovered it actually was a very relaxed, easeful, non-effortful way to practice mindfulness. So it's it's much more amenable, this receptive awareness, is much more amenable to going along for the ride in our daily lives without feeling like it's weighing so much, without feeling like we're, you know, picking up the backpack of mindfulness and, like, carrying it around with us like some, you know, suitcase of something. It's very light. It can be very light, this, this just receiving instead of directing the attention. So... In my own experience this kind of receptive awareness cultivates a couple of different really useful qualities of mind one of them is it's it it encourages a relaxed kind of awareness a, a relaxation of mind we started the guided meditation with relaxation and when the mind relaxes when the body relaxes you know sometimes we can just discover when, uh, you know, we just relax our body and let go of, you know, all this past and futurizing that our minds do, you know, the mind kind of begins to land in the present moment very naturally. In a ver- So as we start with relaxation and relax, this kind of receptive awareness can come to the fore, can, can naturally be there. There's a way in which when the mind relaxes, you know, our minds know how to be attentive. Our minds know how to pay attention to things. Our minds know how to be mindful when we're not engaged in thinking about the past or future. You know, there's a very natural process that when we relax into it, it's there and so this receptive awareness can point us back to this relaxation it also i've found at least in my own experience has promoted a kind of curiosity and interest instead of me being the one who has to be in charge of what i pay attention to it's more like hey mine what are you up to today let's see let's go along for the ride you know let's 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 explore you know what we're doing today and it's, it's kind of gotten to be really interesting to see that. It also really, and this is where it gets a little bit challenging at times, because uh, the, the other thing that this does for us is it points out, you know, when we're no longer controlling Or choosing, okay, I'm going to pay attention to this right now. I'm going to be mindful of my breath right now. You know, I'm going to be mindful of paying attention to seeing right now. When we're no longer directing the attention, essentially what we start to see when we're mindful in the present moment is just how our minds do things. We start to see basically our conditioning. We start to see our habits of mind. You know, when when I'm not in the driver's seat saying, here's what I want to do, and just receiving, mind, what are you doing right now? What often happens is that the habits of mind show up. And so we get to we start to get more familiar with the way our minds do what they do when we stop trying to control our meditation and, and just settle back and say, okay, what happens when I sit here and just receive, receive, receive? One way to explore this or one way to, to kind of see what happens here, close your eyes now for just a moment. And you know, what's the most obvious physical sensation right now? in your body. Now let go of that one. And now, what's the most obvious physical sensation? Now let go of that one. And then, how about now? What's the most obvious physical sensation? And now I'm gonna ask you to attune to whether, in looking at these sensations, do they tend to be pleasant, Unpleasant or neutral? What the most obvious one is. So what's the most obvious physical sensation? Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Is it neutral? How about now? What's the most obvious physical sensation? Is it pleasant? Unpleasant? Neutral? How about the next most obvious one? Is that one pleasant? Unpleasant or neutral? Okay. So you can open your eyes. So what, what happened for you there when you noticed the most obvious sensation? Did anybody here, I'll just take, we'll do this with show of hands. Did anybody um, notice that all of the things their attention landed on were unpleasant? So a few of you noticed that. Anybody notice that all of the things your attention landed on were, were pleasant? You, anybody notice that all of the things that your attention landed on was like kind of neutral? A few of you there, okay. Others of you, kind of a mix of some pleasant, some unpleasant? Okay. So, um, when I first did this exploration... Um, uh, this, this particular practice, this was when my teacher said, you know, stop paying attention to the breath. I, he, he sat there in the room with me and did this kind of thing. So stop paying attention to the breath and just what's obvious. Okay, and now, and now, and now. And he described this as being something like choiceless awareness. This just, this, what, what I'm calling receptive attention. It was like he described something like choiceless awareness. And I said, you know, this is obviously not choiceless because everything was unpleasant that my mind landed on. And so, for me at least, that initial exploration of open awareness pointed out, or receptive awareness, pointed out that my mind... I mean, I knew that it wasn't just that there was unpleasant sensation in my experience, but that my mind kind of... When I oriented to what's obvious, like that's where my mind went. And you can see that there was a wide variety in here. Some people did gravitate towards just unpleasant. Some people gravitated towards pleasant. Some people towards neutral. Some of you more in the middle. So it's not, it's not, um, it's its more of how our minds are conditioned, what comes up there. So we, can, we start to see when we move into this more receptive mode of, um, Mindfulness that what comes up for us is what what our minds have been doing for the last thirty years or fifty years or eighty years or whatever you know it's like the the the, the habits of mind begin to show themselves as we move to this place of receptive awareness. So so in this um, exploration of receptive awareness, we need to be ready to meet our habits I'd say (laughs) on the other hand I personally would rather know what my mind is up to than not know what my mind is up to and so and when we begin to see what our, our mind's habits are there's some measure of choice that we can have So again, it reveals our habits, but it also... The mindfulness begins to insert a little bit of, you know, possibility of not automatically uh, leaping on what we've discovered or seen and running with it, reacting to it. So that simple exercise for me of noticing, yeah, my mind landed on... Every time it landed on something unpleasant, but just like noticing that, oh yeah, that's unpleasant, oh, that's unpleasant that's unpleasant the mind didn't pick up each one and then go off trying to figure out well how do i get rid of this how do i fix this and what's a pro- what problem is this and why is this happening anyway oh it was because of that thing that happened 10 years ago and you know just wandering off into a storm of reactivity around the experience the mind just kept meeting the experience and got from, was getting familiar with this habit of mind of orienting and so that was my first understanding that my mind, my own personal habit of mind, was orienting to unpleasant in the world. This, this mind was going through the world. And when I saw this, it's like, oh yeah, I recognize this. When I walk into a room, I notice what I don't like and try to figure out how to fix it or change it so that I can be okay so this, you know, this, this revealed a habit of mind that had been there that I wasn't really conscious of. And I always think that, well, maybe self-knowledge isn't always good news, but it's helpful news. It's helpful to know how our minds habitually do things because then we can begin to, to uh, not habitually react when it does what it is conditioned to do. So I just have, let's see, a few more things, and then maybe we'll open it up for some questions. Um, One kind of confusion sometimes about receptive awareness is that People think it means um, passivity. That you're just passively, you know, receiving, receiving, receiving. And there's a piece of being a receiver, being receptive in that way. Um, And yet it's not it's not just kind of settling back and you know letting the world happen what this movement of receptivity does is allows us to recognize when we're moving towards reactivity to what's happening versus perhaps a skillful response so the receptive the, the receptive quality doesn't mean that we have to just settle back and not respond to experience but it Allows us to see where our habitual reactions might come from. Another place in receptive awareness that's... Um what do I want to say? It's helpful to... Um Expand into terrain where our habits. Sometimes, when we're when we're exploring just what what our mind is doing habitually, um, there can be like hidden agendas or hidden attitudes of mind that aren't seen. And so, in practicing this kind of more settled back, receptive awareness, it can often be helpful to check in. Okay, so yeah, I'm receiving this experience. There is this sensation of, you know, um, pain in the knee or um, there's, you know, so what's most obvious right now is that I'm seeing or... So receiving, receiving, receiving that experience. But then also kind of from time to time stepping back and saying, okay, so I'm receiving this experience. I'm not controlling it. I'm not choosing what to pay attention to. But is there something that I'm not aware of that's also going on here? Often there can be when we are receiving experience a hidden attitude or a hidden relationship to experience such as Yeah, I'm watching. I'm watching. I'm seeing all of this stuff happen, but you know, I'm really frustrated by what's I'm seeing. Or I'm experiencing this um, sensation of contraction and tightness. And there's a lot of fear around it. So the, this, this um, receptive quality of attention can sometimes not... We can sometimes not be seeing the way in which we are paying attention... So it can be really helpful to just check in from time to time. Okay, yep, I'm receiving experience. And just ask yourself the question, and what's my relationship to what's being received? What's my relationship to this? Sometimes it's really obvious that, yeah, I don't like this. Or, ooh, this is really nice. Or I'm completely confused. Or, boy, this is boring. Then to allow that also to be, it's like you've you've opened up the channel a little bit wider. It's like you know sometimes we can think of this receptive attention. It's almost like being um, uh, a radio antenna. You know, it's like we're we're picking up a particular frequencies in our. In our um, open, in our receptive attention, we're picking up particular frequencies of experience, and then in checking the relationship, it's like, is there some frequency that's happening that I'm not aware of right now? Just kind of checking it. Oh, okay, yes. Oh, there's something else going on. Oh, there's there's fear going on, and then it's you don't have to like then say, oh, let me like put that in the center of the attention, but just. Allow that to be part of what is received in the moment. So, in my own practice exploring this receptive attention and the directed attention, I have seen it's really helpful to have the capacity to do both. The receptive attention is really useful in daily life practice. There can be times even in daily life, however, where a choosing of, oh, I really need to pay attention to this right now. Can I be mindful of this right now? So this capacity to narrow down and and look at something particular, specific with the attention is really helpful sometimes. Sometimes it's really helpful to be more receptive and broad so it's helpful to cultivate both and yet i would say probably each person may have either a more ease or proclivity with one side or the other you know perhaps it's easier for you to stay with one experience like the breath perhaps that's more natural for you or perhaps in having uh, somebody guide you in, an, in, a, in a receptive awareness practice, it's like, wow, why didn't somebody tell me ten years ago I didn't have to stay with the breath? This is so much easier. Um, you know, that, that some, some minds kind of more naturally are inclined to settling and being very at ease with this just receiving experience. Some minds may have equal difficulty with Both. Wherever you find it feels most easy, you know, sometimes we, I think, in, in, um, beginning to see, oh, oh, wow, this, this receptive awareness, this is really hard, the directed attention, that's easy, um... We may think, well, what I need to do then is to work on this receptive attention. And we're kind of going against the, the natural grain of our minds for a while trying to like figure out how do I do this receptive attention? And what I've seen in my own experience is that it's actually most helpful in this terrain of meditation to go in the doorway of practice. Whatever doorway of practice feels most natural to you. And then knowing that These capacities, these various capacities of mind, and there's so many different capacities of mind that we can cultivate in meditation. I'm just talking about these two tonight this ability to direct the attention versus receive, (coughs) receiving experience. There's also the capacity of cultivating love or, um, you know, compassion. So we can do practices around that as well. But whatever doorway you find most natural for you. As far as the meditation practice goes, I find it's most helpful to go in that doorway, start from there, and then knowing that there's these other skills that are useful, like developing compassion and love, or if you go in the doorway of being easeful with staying with the breath, there are these other areas that may need some... uh, cultivation at some point, of this open awareness. But what I've seen is that whatever doorway we go in, there, there's all... There, it's like every single aspect of the Dharma connects to every other single aspect of the Dharma. So paying attention to the breath can begin to open us to being kind to ourselves and perhaps beginning to see, you know, kind of the craziness of our mind. And maybe begin to we can begin to begin to b- build a bridge to cultivating metta or cultivating this practice of open awareness. But I found it like going in through whatever is most natural for you Starting from there, and then noticing where or how you might be able to gently and gradually open to some of these other areas for me this has been this has been so helpful um, I, I, It was interesting because I started with the breath you know that was so easy initially. And it was like so painful to try to do open awareness. And then I met a teacher who had a really good way of describing open awareness and receptive awareness. And suddenly it's like I got it. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this is so much easier than directing the attention. So then I'm like hanging out in that space for a little while. And and then I and then it's like, well, how do I bring these two together? This this quality of being relaxed and spacious and easeful and receptive with directing the attention. And that began to be an exploration. So, you know, just going in through whatever feels most natural for you at the time and strengthening that. Because when you strengthen that, it will strengthen the other qualities kind of also. It will, it will also have the effect of like, spilling over and strengthening some of these other areas. And then perhaps at some point it becomes natural to move more towards the cultivation of that other area. Like, like for me, the, the movement between the directed attention and the receptive attention. At some point it was just like, wow, now this is so much easier. And for a little while it was like, boy... It's very painful to try to pay attention to their breath now. So it's like, okay, well, I'm not going to try to do that because this is what the mind is, is doing right now. So this is what feels more natural. So even in your practice, there, there may be a flow between many different modes of uh, how the mind pays attention. Hmm. I'm going to see if there's any questions. I have a couple more things I could say, but I just want to see if there's any any comments or thoughts about what I've said. I've said a lot, so, yeah. Kumi.
1: Thank you for that, because I've only known one way, is to pay attention to the breath and go deeper and... And this is really like yin and yang. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and but it's it's
0: like yin and yang too, because you know, the the yin is in the yang, and the yang is in the yin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: it's very exciting. So it's like permission, you know, to whole different ways that I didn't know that exist. Yeah, so. and
0: and you can you know, knowing that you've kind of got that familiarity with the directed attention, you can use that. You know, So for me, when I first started it, it's like, okay, I'm really comfortable here with the breath. Okay, let me try to open up. And it be like, wah, ah, chaos, confusion. Okay, I can handle this for a second. And then, okay, I'll come back to the breath and take a break from that. So you can use that kind of as a touchstone and then begin to to kind of branch out from it. Explore the possibility of maybe letting go of the breath and see, you know, just ask the question: What's obvious now? You know, when we let go, let go of the breath. What's obvious now? Yeah,
1: I did say what is obvious, and I'm feeling little, little nausea, tension. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So I thought I uh, right away my uh, the habit is to what is this going directly oh, into uh-huh, it? Yeah. Uh huh. What is it? I got to you know find out what it is, how to cure it <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh it was It was just interesting to see so you saw the, right the
0: direction right, so you you opened up for a moment and there was something there, and then your habit of yeah, going back kicked it. right so mm-hmm. you saw that, yeah. yeah, and seeing that then there's the possibility of saying, "Oh, okay, well, maybe I could just ask what's obvious again <laughs> instead of
1: doing that yeah, yeah, so I said, you know so." What is it? What if I gave it a voice to the, you know? Uh-huh. The oh, so you did explore it a and little then, bit. then uh-huh. so I said, what, you know, uh-huh. what, and then it was more concerned, worry, the habit uh-huh. of, you know, the, it was heavier than giving a real voice and opening up and listening. Uh huh. Uh huh. So that's what I saw.
0: Uh huh. Beautiful. Thank you.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyone else?
2: I had kind of an amusing experience because when you were talking about um, um, the uh, attention on the breath and then um, so receptive... Uh, uh, and then if I, had, if I was going to try the receptive part, I thought, well, what do I normally do? What normally happens? Oh, I know what it was. You said people say they don't have time. And so I thought about that, and I said, well, what do I actually use? It's a thought that I have that I use my breath practice. There's something I'm doing, and it's planning. And I thought, well, now if I move to receptive, what's going to happen to all that good planning that I navigate to? When I'm <laughs> supposed to be following the breath. <laughs> anyway, it was a real wake-up call about. Wait a minute. What are you? What is actually happening? What's actually yeah. happening? Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Do yeah, I want to give up all that good planning time just? <laughs> it's just amusing.
0: And, and it sounds
2: like there's a little bit of an insight there. Uh, definitely, uh, yeah, you uh-huh. know, that when I drift, um, it, it's often, I think, it, it, I've been planning.
0: And, you know, when we're in receptive awareness, the mind drifts too, I have to say. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> so probably, probably your mind will drift to planning when you're doing open awareness too. Oh, well, then I, then I might as well try it. <laughs> Anyone else? Yeah, up here.
3: So I guess I was doing receptive attention, but didn't know it had a name. Uh-huh. Someone taught it to me without giving it a name because trying to follow my breath never works.
0: Um, so it sounds like for you that the receptive is more natural. Um, so far. yeah. Uh-huh.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've been doing it a lot while driving here in the Bay Area. Um. I thought I had a question. It seems to have escaped me. Okay. I will add is that um, through the practice of it, I realized that um, I was getting, I was doing receptive attention while driving as a way to be more focused on the road. Um, and when I began, as soon as I began doing this deliberately. Whenever a driver would do something illegal or dangerous, rage. This has confused me until this evening when you spoke about pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral experiences. And it wasn't until that that I realized that the reason why I was noticing the unpleasantness during this receptive attention practice is that I was finally aware of the fact of the true anger I felt of someone doing something dangerous that was endangering others. Mm-hmm. And I never knew that that's why I got mad. So until you talked about doing that pleasant, the pleasant unpleasant, unpleasant, neutral uh-huh. thing uh-huh. as, as a, in a, an accompaniment with the receptive attention. Uh-huh. So I am t- taking that with me to other places, not just the car.
0: And also too the, I mean, in the receptive place, you're not immune from having your habits and your emotions emerge. I mean, it's like, yes, I mean, we, we, then the, the work is not so much to try to stop that, but it's like, oh, anger's arisen. Okay, whoa, the, the, my, <laughs> the mind is paying attention to that right now. So that it, 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 it doesn't, again, you know, when we receive, we receive our whole life, including our emotional life.
3: I guess what was just so startling is how often I was angry. Uh-huh.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, that's a familiar one to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, the receptive awareness really begins to reveal the, the habits of, of that. Yeah. Anyone else? Did you have did you have something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Back here.
1: One of the
3: mysteries for me has been, you know, we're sitting in the Insight Meditation Center. And as a directed uh, meditator, I've been mystified by where my insights were going to come from. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'm getting a sense that this receptive mode is probably...
0: A source. There definitely can be insights that come from the receptive. I would say the, the directed mode the insights can come there too um, sometimes with the receptive mode, the in, initially the insights come from seeing where the mind goes, you know, when it wanders. We start to see the habits the patterns as, we, as the mind leaves. But then as the mind kind of settles down and can stay right with the breath in a very uh, detailed way, you know, the, the, the insights begin to come around really seeing just how impermanent things are. But that can take a while to get to. So, um, you know, the, the insights around the directed practice can often be around, like Gil sometimes says, mindfulness works when it doesn't seem to be working. And you know, that's where some of the insights come around the directed attention because it's like you're trying to pay attention to this and you see your mind goes off to planning you're trying to pay attention to this and and it keeps looping back to yesterday and so you see the habits of your mind and you know just beginning to let those go you know that we can kind of just see oh this is the way the mind works and another another kind of insight that can come around around the and this one we've all had you know it's it maybe hasn't been articulated very well but you sit down to pay attention to the breath you choose that you're doing that and then what happens the mind wanders so who did that who made the mind wander did you choose to let your mind wander and then even more amazing is that at some point, pooh, the mindfulness comes back, right? I mean, you didn't do that either. I mean, who did that? So this, this simple practice of being with the breath and seeing the mind go and come back is, I could say, it's evidence for um, the fact that there isn't anyone in charge. Evidence for the teaching of not-self. So, you know, there, right there too, you know, just in the very simple first day instruction. It's, uh, it's, it's there. It's just not hard to real. it's hard to take in that that's what's happening because our minds are so papered over with this idea that I must have done that, you know, or I didn't control this well enough, or, you know, so the, the, the sense of I comes in there. So there are, there, uh, there are ways that insight comes in on both sides. So I just want to say that. But, you know, definitely the, the, you know, the receptive awareness has its share also. And maybe um, perhaps um, more along the lines of insights into our habits and patterns, you know that that's the first the first real aha's <laughs> around this receptive awareness yeah thank you for that and we need to stop so thank you all for your attention